Welcome to another episode of the ROI podcast presented by the Indiana University Kelly School of Business. I'm your host, Matt Martella. Here on the show, our mission is simple. We want to help organizations make better business decisions. And if this is your first time tuning in, we just want to say welcome to the Kelly family. And we just want to remind you and the rest of our audience that we exist to help serve you. So if you have any questions you're wrestling with as a leader, if you'd like to get some expert advice from some of our faculty, or you know of someone that would make a great guest on our show, send us an email to ROIPod. That's R-O-I-P-O-D at I-U-P-U-I dot E-D-U. So we all have known this individual in the workplace, that person who is constantly over our shoulder, that person who gives us a project but yet wants to get in par- get involved in every single detail of that project. We know it as, as our guest puts it, the bossy boss. And I'd like to welcome to the show a professor of management here at the Kelly School of Business, Charlotte Westernhouse Renfro. Mm-hmm. And with all the expertise she's brought in management, this is a topic she has talked about pretty extensively with the IBJ and some of her um, classes as well. So Charlotte, welcome to the ROI podcast. Thank you. So talk about this individual. Let's let's define this bossy boss individual that um, you've you've kind of identified in the workplace? Well, first, let me start out that I have used the term boss in a very endearing way about many of my previous supervisors. It, being a boss can be a wonderful thing. And many of my you know, folks that I've reported to in the past have been just the best bosses. So maybe that's another podcast on what is the best boss. Sure. But a bossy boss is also, I would also typically is termed as, as a micromanager. And a micromanager is the kind of person that only hovers over everything you do. But here are some traits that have been actually researched and have been identified. Micromanagers actually don't trust. They, they resist delegating work. And they do this because they believe that the only person that can get the job done right is them. And that's a lack of trust. They don't trust others to do quality work. They want quality work, but they don't trust it. Uh, micromanagers uh, dictate a lot more than they actually direct. And in some cases, in their dictation and getting into every step a person makes on the job, it actually slows things down. It, it takes more time to get things done. And then finally, um, micromanagers tend to need like they have to feel in control. It's the ultimate control management style. And because of that, there are a large number of employees in various surveys who say this is probably the worst trait, the worst trait a manager can have in supervising their employees is to micromanage them. And let's talk about some of the negative impacts. You know, you have this uh, micromanager in the workplace. You know, obviously culture takes a big ding in in the office and when you have someone who's constantly over your shoulder. Um, I mean, even an individual's, uh, you know, confidence can be kind of hurt because they question as an employee, well, why? why don't they trust me? Why don't I, why don't they feel like they, I'm valued here? And, and, and so what kind of impact is this having, you know, to the organization as a whole? Well, one of the major impacts is morale. It can diminish morale, not only in the individual, but by those who observe this. And this has actually been 
a study. There's a great book out there called My Way or the Highway by Hamer Chambers that Harry Chambers, excuse me, that I really recommend. And he did a lot of surveying of individuals in this regard. And he found that in the workplace in his survey, those who are micromanaged and morale is low. Uh, basically, 62% of them are considering changes job, changing jobs. And this has a real, I would say, dollars and cents, cents kind of tangible impact. Your best employees, you put a lot of time into recruiting them, a lot of time in retaining them, and you tell them that we got you here because you're the best thing since sliced bread. And then when they show up, they are not treated as bread. They're treated like something else, and they will lose their jobs. That costs. And another big area, I think it was a 2017 AccuTemp survey that I recently read, it found that 55% of employees who were micromanagement reported it hurt their productivity. That's huge. Productivity is crucial in order for your companies, your businesses, in order to be um, competitive. So I think it does have a real impact in dollars and cents. If this is not just a feel-good thing. This is not a kumbaya. We're sitting around the campfire. We all have to get along. We've got to allow people to actually do what you hired them to do in a way that they feel empowered and trusted. And finally, micromanagement bosses, guess what? Bossy bosses can actually increase stress. Measurable stress, uh, health issues for your employees, even high blood pressure, sleep problems. This is a real issue for some employees and what they face right now in the workplace. And I think it's it's kind of crucial to bring in as we see intergeneration, like different generations coming into the workplace, they're also bringing their own sets of values. And I know some of the research uh, shows, for example, you know, millennials, they view work as a means in order to fulfill their outside of work life. Exactly. It, it becomes like, I just work so that way I can enjoy life versus, you know, baby boomers kind of put more of their identity into the job themselves and their what they did embodied who they were, you know, so having some of these, you know, different understandings, I think is also crucial because when you have these new generations coming in, I mean, millennials, Gen Zers who want to be a part of something bigger than themselves, they're going to, they're going to want to vacate, you know, they're going to want to leave some of the, some of the opportunities that they have, because I mean, a, a boss who's over your shoulder constantly isn't really helping, helping your cause out anymore. Well, I want to emphasize that Regardless of the generation, we all need management. We need leaders. We need individuals to give us uh, a map, a roadmap, to give us direction, to hold us accountable. And so I don't want to give you a sense that there's no need for that, regardless of your generation. I mean, the, like I said, I've had some of the best bosses give me critical feedback in order for me to improve. So that is something that's necessary. And I also want to say even micromanagers are not bad people. Um, they usually have, well, they're well-intended, all right? And the majority of them don't even know that they're doing this. And that is why it's so important to recognize it, but also if you're dealing with a micromanager, not get extremely frustrated because it's one of the hardest habits to break. So let's take a look at that because here on the show, we believe an organization is only as good as the leaders who are running them. And so we want to first take a look at, at us, the leaders ourselves, so we can start implementing change. So for those managers out there who may be pinned by their other employees as that 
micromanager or quote unquote bossy boss, how can an, a, a manager in the workplace start to reflect and being open with themselves to, to even start this process of change? Well, change is difficult. And actually having a sense of who you are as a boss and as a leader can be somewhat difficult. I think trust is important. And so if you have been identified, and now I'm talking to those who may have heard that they're a micromanager, I think it's really important for you to take a close look at your behaviors and also take a look at how it's affecting the workplace. Change is difficult, um, but it is possible. If you are listening to this podcast and you say, well, maybe I've heard this before. There's a possibility that I'm a micromanager. I think that is the first step for you to even consider it. And then I recommend a five-step recovery program for micromanagers who want and need to learn uh, new habits. So you might want to consider this. Uh, how many meetings do you hold? And is there a plethora of meetings you're having with each and every employee to make sure they get the job done? How many emails do you send out? And are they actually really necessary? Um, try perhaps having fewer meetings, and if you meet in person, or sending fewer emails. And that will, that will indicate trust with the folks that report to you. Um, also, not, not, not attempt to have control of everything. If you hire these folks, remember, when you hired them, they were the most qualified gyms in the pool. They were wonderful. So learn how to delegate to them. And this actually helps um, people develop. And sometimes making a mistake with constructive feedback from a supervisor or boss is the best way to give people the freedom, to give people a sense they belong to the organization, to be creative, and also to motivate them. And finally, trust your judgments when you, like once again, you hire the best people. You hire them. And maybe you should leave them alone because you hired them as they stood alone from the crowd. Um, consider for your next step being a facilitator. And a facilitator is an individual that gives, uh, especially in this generation, I think for millennials and Generation Z, they thrive on autonomy and having the opportunity to show their own worth. So that might help you as well and letting loose of some micromanagement traits. And then my final suggestion, since this is such a hard habit to break, is maybe get some coaching. Uh, get some coaching. Um, find a good coach. Uh, there are probably within your organizations those individuals that everybody's talking about as the best boss in the world. Not the bossy boss, but the best boss. So observe their behavior and perhaps um, just come up to them over a cup of coffee and say, you know what? There are certain things I've seen in you. I just want to get a sense of, first, do you see those traits in me? And then listen. And second, how can I be more like you, the best boss? And it's, it's okay to take kind of a, a deep breath here uh, as a leader and be okay with the fact that things aren't going to go perfect all the time. Even if, I think recognizing that even if you were there along every step of the way in, in everyone's day, there's still going to be problems along the way, like a, ma a manager being in the the trenches with his staff uh, over that shoulder isn't going to mitigate all the problems coming down anyway. They're still going to show up, and that's okay. And I guess that, once again, it can be okay. Well, once again, those best bosses know also when it's not okay. So we can't have um, 
errors that are going to cost the company or business their productivity, their competitiveness. You, you can't make mistakes and always forgive. Now, that is something I also want to add. Best bosses also know how to right the wrong in a way that motivates people to be betters. Micromanagers will not allow you to make any mistake. And if they do, they are so degrading about it that a person loses their motivation. Once again, in the workplace today, I strongly stress that autonomy is a great thing. We do need supervision from excellent bosses. But a micromanager will squeeze the juice out of a lot of employees who really yearn to be creative to show they can do the right thing. And that could really hurt the bottom line of any company. So I know what you're thinking. Okay, maybe you don't identify or you don't possess these traits as a micromanager. However, wherever you sit in the organization, you may have your direct supervisor or someone you report to who does possess these traits. And I think it's also important for on the other side is how do we work alongside those who are over our shores that we don't have control of, of changing. Um, so Sean, I would love to get some, some tips as, as those who are working with or working under managers who are constantly over them, constantly, you know, giving, giving criticism, not trusting and, and are micromanaging. How do we begin to work with them and help influence them to maybe see areas they can, they can start changing? I think you, we have to respect all your workers that you work with, of course, unless it gets to a point where the, the environment gets really, really hostile, but micromanagers are not, um, are not ill-intended. So I would think for a micromanager, you would basically sit down with him or her and say, well, I know your intentions. We all have the same intentions. We have, and then go back to your mission statement, your strategic plan, your vision, uh, and say, this is the task we have. Your intentions are my intentions. However, in order for me to fully meet those intentions, perhaps we might want to try a different way, a different strategy. Can you give me that chance? And perhaps on this particular project, we have one, one or two more meetings, and let's see what the outcome is. But I really think for a micromanager, you can't just point the finger and say, oh, you know, this is what you are, and, and, and throw a label on them. I think you have to always go back to why you're here, uh, why your supervisor is here, why we have a commonality in doing the best we can for the company, and why perhaps certain things are happening in your relationship that's not allowing you to do that. Um, and have that, have that conversation with also letting the bossy boss know about some of the great things that him or her has done. But in this regard, looking over the shoulder perhaps is basically, you know, uh, freezing out the creativity. And I actually think a lot of micromanagers are just probably scared. I mean, they're worried. They, they, they think that if they're not involved, something will go wrong. So I think in general, we have to create work environments where even the bosses and the supervisors feel supported that they won't be, are fearful, they won't be blamed for what their employees do. I think a lot of supervisors have a lot of stress put upon them to have everything in control. And thus, that will actually, I don't know, kind of feed the fuel for someone who feels they have to be a micromanager. And then finally, I think a lot of micromanagers come from working with micromanagers. It's a habit that we learned. And so in hiring and promoting folks in the workplace, 
perhaps uh, autonomy and how a, how a potential boss will be is to measure how well their team did when they allow them to actually do work on their own and were given more autonomy. And we would promote more people like that in the workplace and give them an opportunity. But I, I keep stressing this. We're all human beings. We all have strengths. We all have fears. And if you can just work with the micromanager and reassure him or her that we have the same intentions, the same goals, and let's perhaps work on a style where you're going to get the most out of me, the most juice out of me, the most creativity out of me, and I've got a plan. And if that doesn't work, you'll do with a lot of employees, unfortunately, you're doing. The research is showing 60%, 62% of your best workers may be leaving and going to work for your competitors because they feel they have more autonomy. It's an important issue. One thing I think you brought up, and I think it's really important to highlight, especially in having a conversation with your superior, your boss, is coming into that conversation with the mindset Uh, that's not demeaning by Mm -hmm. any means, but that's not pointing any fingers or passing any blame or saying you are this, you are that, Mm -hmm. but it's, it's, uplifting, you know, who they are and, and and bringing respect to, Hey, you know, like I see, and I know you're a good person and kind of confirming maybe some insecurities they have as a boss. And you're saying, look, I I see you as an individual, as someone I respect, even though I don't agree with, I still respect. And I think that's very important to have that mindset throughout the whole conversation and see that conversation through that lens of love of, I, I want to honor you as, as my boss. Mm -hmm. So we can better, you know, better work and make this organization better. It's taken a step away from me and it's seeing the bigger picture of we in this organization. Exactly. And I always, uh, in working with my students, I, I, I always caution them, and I, I shouldn't caution I implore them to ask the question, why? So why is this person acting this way? And is there anything I can do to work with, like I said, the respect that I have for him and her? But this is a hard habit um, to break. Uh, and I realize it is, I really think the conversations that I've seen mostly in the articles I've seen, it's always been for the employee on how do you handle your micromanager? How do you handle your bossy boss? And I think the conversation should be more on what can you do if you believe you are a micromanager or you've been identified as one, uh, perhaps in a performance evaluation, so that the responsibility is on the supervisor to perhaps to change things because a lot of employees don't have the power to change the behavior of someone who supervises them. But I do think companies right now in the United States, especially, I know right here in the Midwest, there is a real need for us to attract and retain the best talent possible. And I think if you're working with someone who's a micromanager, you would approach him or her with that in mind. Uh, we need to attract and retain the best talent. And let's see if your, uh, the way you manage people, motivate people, persuade people is getting the best results. And if you are deemed being a micromanager with the coaching, it is your responsibility, I think, to change. Not the employee's responsibility to change you, but what can you do to be coachable, to change, and to delegate, and to let loose and when I say let loose, let's, let's be productive. Let's be successful. 
Charlotte, just want to thank you so much for being our guest, sharing such amazing wisdom to all those aspiring managers and leaders in the workplace. This has been another episode of the ROI podcast presented by the Indiana University Kelly School of Business. I'm your host, Matt Martella. Our show's mission is to help organizations make better business decisions. We'll see you next week. Thank you.